0: Hello, and welcome to BizPod. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with a good friend, Alistair, about a whole different bunch of business entrepreneurship. Enjoy.
1: All right. um, Yeah, so obviously... We've known each other for quite a while Alistair. Uh But to be honest, I don't really know any of your origin story. So, like how you became the evil genius that you are today. I think it starts with the law degree though.
2: <laughs> there was a law degree and there was a radioactive spider that met me at one point and that gave me superpowers, which I then decided to use for evil. Uh, and it's all gone downhill <laughs> since then.
0: Well, that's, it's really concise, you know. That's You're really set and know exactly what you're doing.
2: <laughs> if only that were the case. No, in, uh, in all honesty, you are right. Yeah, I did a law degree back at uni, oh, goodness knows, 20 odd years ago, something like that, but with no intention of ever being a lawyer. And when I finished it, I had no idea I wanted to to do. So I did a whole lot of random work experiences around I did I worked for the BBC doing top gear for a while and I'd worked for RBS and their corporate hospitality wow. department and just really random stuff. And eventually <laughs> decided that I would start up my own business. So my very first business was sort of the tail end of university when I started up a flat pack building Business as a sole trader. So I literally put adverts in like newspapers and into the local cinema's sort of magazine going, Hi, I'm, I'm assembly wow. line and I can come to your house and build your flat pack for you for £10. And people called me and I bought tools and I went out to their houses and built beds and wardrobes and stuff. And actually, it just got to the point when I was beginning to make money and it paid off all these tools when somebody offered me a real job and I thought, Yeah, go <coughs> and do that. Um, right, which okay. I, I love
1: as knowing that you still enjoy a good bit of Lego on you know, the regular, I feel like this is like the perfect start of your life.
2: Oh, absolutely. It was it was good fun actually. I really enjoyed doing that. And I don't know I don't know if I would ever have made a living or not, but I just decided just to wind that up and, and move off and go and get, you know, real and proper paid employment, which I've kinda of done really ever since. But I've always done random little businesses on the side, like like our podcast that we, we do every week um, for the Nintendo Switch and just random stuff. I've I've never wanted to sit on my laurels, but at the same time, I've also... I wouldn't say I'm a mass successful businessman. I've tried lots of stuff. Most of it hasn't really worked, but I've learned along the way what not to do and I've sort of gained a few bits of knowledge and advice and whatnot along, along the road, which has got me to where I am now. Yeah.
0: Would you say that a lot of the skills are they like similar kinds of jobs that you've had or, or has it been just totally random every time?
2: I have had the weirdest career path. Well, it's not the weirdest career path. I mean, I know people who have done some really, really bizarre stuff. Mine is relatively straightforward. But I mean, to give you an example, I my first job was working in the leasing department for a property company. I then moved over to that same kind of group company, sister company and sold houses. I then did some customer care. I did some um, estimating which is like working at how many bricks you need to build the house and how much wood do you need to build that house I have no idea how to do that but I randomly stumbled into it I then somehow ended up doing like public consultation things so I would go out and speak to Joe Public and go here's a field that we're thinking of building some houses in how can we do this in such a way that it's not going to upset you too much what can we do to make your lives better while we do this and then people would shout at me for a day or several days depending on how long we we're doing the consultations for uh, so I did that for a while, and then I left that firm and set up a partnership with one of that firm's former directors, and we sold, like, a, it was a planning and sales service to another development company, where we basically set up a whole company from scratch up in Scotland, delivering a new town, for want of a better word. We were one of several builders who built this new town called Chapelton, just south of Aberdeen, which... Is worth having a look at actually it's a really cool place it's lovely so yeah we we started this partnership to do that and then we wound up the partnership so that i could go in-house basically to get a mortgage and buy a house from myself as you do uh and then <laughs> that company got bought over and i did all their sales stuff and all their upfront appraisals and random money things i figured out how much buy land for i didn't know how to do that before so yeah did all that stuff uh and now i'm actually weirdly back at university again learning to do it and cybersecurity because why not
0: (laughs) so it's all come full circle it
2: has all come full circle yeah and along the way i've tried to do really random things i i set up a limited company that was going to be building a website that i don't even i still never figured out the elevator pitch (laughs) for this it was you think about you know but you set <laughs> up the company i set up the company and we started we genuinely started making this product and i had all these big ideas but i never managed to get the physical product for want of a better word mm. made but it was basically you know sports fans they like the idea of having like a brick in the wall of the local stadium with their name in it or something to show that how much they love their team and that they wanted to donate whatever it was i thought hey you do not do a digital brick in the wall mm. You could just like have a page for every sports team in the world, and people could buy like a digital brick that would be there forever to show how much they love their team, and then you could make money off this. And people would be have very happy. They could maybe put like a little badge on their social media pages saying, "Hey, I've got my brick," and it would have been awesome. And then I thought you could branch this into ways of people donating to charity. They could buy their digital brick for this charity and that charity, and there were all these cool things I thought I could do with it, but I just never managed to actually make mm. the page i had various friends that knew how to do programming and i did not and we sort we started these companies and they all went oh yeah we'll, we'll do this bit we'll do this bit and we we won't charge anything for it we'll just take a share in the company or we'll be directors and we'll all make the profit from it but because there was no immediate money to be made from it everyone just went mm. yeah i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it yeah i'll do it they never did it and the thing just never happened so it never got off the ground if it had a load of money behind me then it would have been kind of cool i could probably have made this thing work but i think Uh, i've missed the boat i think the world has moved on and that kind of product probably doesn't really fit the modern world uh, anymore so
1: now now that you are kind of going off and studying like information technologies do you see yourself maybe doing like one or two digital ventures uh, now that you have the skills and the knowledge how
2: to do it i would like to think so i suppose it very much depends on what kind of role i end up getting and in what company i end up working because i'm probably in all honesty looking for paid employment at the moment because i am a father of a small child therefore i need to be kind of sensible and not take dumb risks so anything i do i'll need to do on the side and that then comes down to have i got the time to do it because time management is difficult at the best of times shall we say uh, and a lot of companies do have issues with their staff doing things on the side sometimes so it depends who your who my eventual employer becomes wow.
1: <laughs> but yeah it
0: oops sorry um, louise yeah it's Sorry.
1: Uh, it, it's just kind of amazing overall hearing the just general story because you've managed to say it in a way that almost sounds like sensible, but like all over the place. And then yet knowing you, it's like going from law uh, and like starting your first business doing Ikea, f- assembling Ikea furniture. It's like, yeah, I just went and did Top Gear. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I did. Yeah. That was just me being persistent. They did, at the time, they did like a work experience program. I imagine they maybe still do, I don't know. Uh, and I just wrote to them a couple of times going, yeah, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it. And it turns out they actually had a minimum age of something like 25, and I was being about 21 at the time. But I think they had a last-minute cancellation, and I got a panicked call from the director on something like a Saturday or Sunday night going, uh, we've, we've had someone cancel, and we, we've got a gap. Would you be free to come down tomorrow? It's like, yeah, sure. So I just legged it down to London, crashed in a friend's flat for sort of, oh, actually, I in their flat for one week until I got booted out because they had like 20 flatmates and they wanted their dining room back. I was sleeping on a mattress in their dining room. But actually, when the producers of the show took me in, which was very kind of them, and I slept in his spare bedroom oh. for a week, which was, it was lovely. I had such <laughs> a good time. Um, but I did discover from that that I did not want to do media for a living. It was far too, particularly that style, was far too high pressure having to get everything done like yesterday and up crazy clock in the morning to recording and get the rushes through and get it all sorted and yeah not not the life for me i like things to be slightly more sedate so is not quite the right word but more controlled yeah how, how have you found the
1: the music sales stuff because you obviously went and did a record company with a uh, other co host on nsu kp mike
0: <laughs> you say obviously, Anton. For those of us, you know, unfamiliar in the room, this is not obvious.
2: Uh yeah, that was one of our other many ventures. So at, at the time I was I was young, single, I had a flat that I was living in and people some of my friends sort of rented rooms from me. So I basically had more cash than I knew what to do with. I wish that was the case these days. Um and I thought I was investing in sort of stocks and shares and just playing around in that stock market and I was doing okay. I mean, I wasn't making mega bucks, but I was doing all right. I made some, I lost some, and overall I was doing all right. And I thought, you know what? I've got this money here. Our pal Mike, who we do the the Nintendo podcast with, he was uh, an aspiring singer-songwriter, but at that point he was more interested in sort of being the performance side, and they had this band called Outbox, who did quite well they did really good songs uh and at that stage they were supporting bands that you guys have probably never heard of but like ocean color scene and some some fairly big bands around the time anyway and uh i thought you know what i could use my money and lose it on the stock market or i could use my money and support a friend and if i lose it there well I prepared to do that. So, yeah, we formed a little limited company with the band and me and one of my pals from uh, law who was doing commercial law at the time. She drew up all the papers for starting the company and off we went and we made an album and we released it and it didn't do well at all. And I lost a lot of money, but it's fine. It was an experience and I went into it prepared to lose the money. I think if I'd gone into it thinking, oh, I'm going to get rich, then... Well, that would have be been a really stupid way of approaching anything, because that's not the way the world works. You, If you're going to spend money on something, you've got to be prepared to lose it. And I was. And uh, I, I don't regret it, because I helped a friend, I gave him an opportunity, and to be fair now, he's, he's a very successful songwriter. Um, I mean, he's had now number ones all around the world, he's just written them for other artists. So I like to think I helped him on that road in my own small little way.
0: Mm. so would you say that you're an entrepreneur then because that to me sounds like you've got all of those skills of just taking nothing and making all of this incredible stuff there's sort of logistical bits in there uh how how would you describe yourself
2: uh that's a really good question i do technically have the word entrepreneur in my linkedin page and it was on my cv for a while but i've taken it off
0: (laughs) so it's official well i always i always think i'm sort of
2: a cheating entrepreneur i try lots and lots of things i've just not had a success and I suppose it depends whether you define an entrepreneur as someone who is successful or someone who just keeps trying. I mean, I, I have always grown up watching things like the Rocky movies and stuff, and the tagline to that or whatever it was you used to say was it doesn't matter how hard you hit, it's how many times you get hit and get back up. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way I've mm-hmm. approached this thing. I don't let my previous successes or previous failures, sorry, keep me down. I'll just keep trying. And one of these days, hey, I might be successful. Uh, but each time I get knocked down or something doesn't work, I learn something new from it, take something new from it, and I can incorporate into later things. So I mean, I've now set up I think three or four. If you look me up in companies' houses, there's sort of three or four companies that I'm probably been attached to that I've set up from scratch. So I know quite well how to set up companies. So when our friend Mike went off and set up a, a record publishing company last year, um, I jumped onto a Zoom call with him and helped them just talk them through the stages of Hey, go onto here, click that. No, this is what they're looking for in this bit. You need to go over to HMRC and do this bit. And I just now got the experience and the knowledge of what they're looking for Um, and that is probably I guess invaluable because when you first start out starting a business is daunting and the the hoops you've got to jump through are virtually impossible to navigate without somebody helping you saying, oh, no, that's what they're looking for. That's what that means. You don't need to worry about this bit too much. No, no, that bit is really important. It's uh, it's, it's a
0: minefield. With our setting up process because of COVID, we had to do it all by paper. There was no digital process. And oof. Wow. Ooh <laughs> That was, you know, I feel like uh uh an ex- experience that we had to experience to then be like yeah never again <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you guys come to you don't mind my asking have you come to the end of your first financial year yet have you had to do accounts and yeah statements we're, and we're stuff slowly hitting
1: yet? that point now uh we've only just recently got our uh, web filing set up because we didn't have access to our physical premises to get the authorization codes to do it uh and now we're kind of preparing to do our accounts which uh Thankfully, the size of LP we are, we're probably going to be a, a micro-entity, so hopefully uh going to be a little bit unscathed, but it's uh, very nerve-wracking, so uh, I won't lie, the fact that you've been handling that at NSUQP uh, Limited has been like such, like, oof, <laughs> water off a duck's back.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. it is daunting, and it's... Fairly time consuming, actually. And there were, when I did my law degree, there were two things I took away from it. I mean, most of them weren't anything to do with law. But one of them was never lie to an insurance company, because anything you tell them that they will use as an opportunity not to pay out if you ever need them. So just always tell the truth to an insurance company. And the other thing was never mess with a taxman. Because a taxman came in and he was a, I'm going to call him a debt collector, but he was basically a tax collector and uh, he gave us sort of an hour's lecture about how much glee he took in taking people down whether they were outstanding Ugh. 100 million pounds or 100 pounds he just relished taking folk down and i thought i don't ever want to be on the wrong side of this guy or any of his colleagues because i get the impression they might all be the same so yeah those, those are my takeaways don't lie to insurance company and just don't mess with the tax man always do everything openly and honestly and if you need help just ask someone. HMRC themselves actually have been really helpful. The number of times I've phoned them and gone, i have stuck with this and I, this is the situation. What do I do? And they were generally really good at telling you and helping you along. So like, that would be a bit of advice. You've got to wait for ages to speak to them. But when you get them, they are lovely and very, very helpful. Oh, incredible stuff. I know for ourselves doing it during COVID, it was like
1: one or two times calling them and then it was like, we're going to be here for a good two or three hours until we get through. But then it was like, three minutes and they're like yeah one two three you're off to the races <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. yeah yeah they are they are good people good people to keep on your side as well so we,
1: um, oh, sorry follow, following up on the the no, cloudy teapot what was the next step for you because you did like the the my team is sort of thing which to be honest this is where it gets hazy for me where i'm like you've mentioned doing the record stuff doing ikea what what is the the tea from there?
2: So the my team is that was the that ah. online to digital brick thing, which technically somewhere I still have the HTML that I managed to cobble together to begin with of what it was going to look like. I had my concept and and whatnot, but there's never really been a logical flow to what I've done. It's just been something has popped into my head and I thought ah that might work. I'll go and try that. And particularly actually with the my team is limited. I flailed around so much trying to find someone who would help me build this thing that it ended up, like I say, it never happening. But I tried at least three or four people over the space of about five or six years. And the inspiration for that, did you guys ever come across a website called the Million Dollar Homepage?
1: Yeah, that was um kind of if you bought like a pixel for advertising and then, you know, people would buy like a hundred pixel and they would spell out like their shortened URL it was a novel little thing, called web 2.0 or maybe even 1.0 maybe.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And I remember hearing about that at the time and thought, wow, that person's made a million pounds literally just by making a blank page and selling off a pixel. I think they had a minimum of 10 pixels, I think it was at any given time. But they had sort of, if you go on it, the page is still there. I've just Googled it, milliondollarhomepage.com. It's still there. And I think it's supposed to be there in perpetuity, but there's so many companies on there.
0: It looks (laughs) so bad. It looks
2: awful, but it's very much of the time. And like I said, it was a student at university and he went, I need a million, I need money. What can I do? And he just came up with this idea, made it, and somehow it gained traction. So there's everything from sort of, you know, gambling websites on there to the Times. The Times have got a big chunk in there. If you look somewhere around about the lower middle to slightly off to the left, the Times is in there. I mean, it is just insane. And I took so much inspiration from that simplicity and that's where I came up with the, the digital brick idea and just thought yeah I could do that. Turns out I couldn't do that but you know I was young and thought I could because everybody thinks they can do everything when they're young
0: Is that is that you trying to call us <laughs> out? or uh... Uh, You can take what <laughs> you like <laughs> okay, okay.
2: I know, I've got to say my hat is off to you guys for, for building up this, this business it, it takes a lot of mm. effort And it's not an easy thing to do. A lot of people will never, ever start a business. They just won't. They either see it as a scary thing or a difficult thing, and they just won't do it. So the very fact that you guys have got this far is impressive. That puts you in sort of an elite little group.
0: Well, thank you. And it is scary and difficult, you know, but it's about, I guess, pushing through it. and, And we've had so many people to support us, like yourself, with just, hey, what is this? Or... You know how how do you how do you find that first inspiration? And um, I've had some really great help from my family, so I think we we were in a really good position to be able to start.
1: Indeed, and that that's the thing I've quite enjoyed working with yourself, Alistair. Especially when starting up the NSU KP Limited was, you had a very kind of lax attitude to it. Uh, I know so many people when they uh, <laughs> mention companies, it's like, this is it. This is the company. I'm starting it at 20 and I'm going to be 40 and I'm going to be 50. And this is the whole plan. And you know, I have this vision. But you know, it does have a utilitarian purpose. And I think that's something that you've been able to use at various points in your career so far.
2: Yeah, very much so. I mean, a company, it's it's not... It's not a big deal, and it is a big deal at the same time. You're basically creating a legal entity. I mean, a company is a thing. It's a person. But it it can just sit there. There are so many little dormant companies. There's hundreds, there's probably millions of dormant companies, and they're, they're not scary. It is just a vehicle to do something or to hold something. And it if you take the limited company, which is most of my business has been limited companies, they are just there effectively to protect you and to make sure that if you do something wrong, you're not going to sort of lose everything for it. So the whole point of limited liability for either a limited company or partnership is just to protect the directors or to protect the shareholders or to protect whoever's involved in it uh, and give you a little bit of a cushion. The, the um, what do I call it, the exception to that, I suppose, is they, and I think rightly so, do have sort of a limit. So negligence, for example, if you start up a building company and someone ends up being really badly injured, if you've not looked out for them, then it's you yourself is going to go to prison. And I think that's probably right enough because you do have to take responsibility for what you're doing but if just, you just legitimately try and do something you do it to the best of your abilities and something goes wrong it's giving you that that cushion but at the end of the day company isn't that yeah. big of a deal they can be a small side business they can be your main job they can be employing one person they can be employing 100 million people and it's more to do with the way you run them and the way you interact with the rest of the business community the actual company itself it's it's just a thing nothing to Nothing to worry too much about. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's um really reassuring to hear because I think um a lot of what we try and do here on BizPod is about uh maybe reassuring isn't quite the word, but about showing just how easy it can be with so many different people doing all different business related work. And so yeah, it's wonderful to hear again, you know, another voice, another testimony, just being like, yep, they're fine. (laughs) It's easy, (laughs) or not easy, but it's it's okay. Yeah,
2: it's nothing to be scared of. Just if you've got an idea, go out and go out and try and do it and i mean it doesn't need to be a limited company you might want to do a partnership you might want to be a sole trader it entirely depends what you want to do and there's so many different so many different structures that that itself can be daunting but there's a lot of people out there who are happy to give you advice there's lots of websites out there with lots of advice on on how to do it companies house themselves their website is actually really really good at helping you narrow down the right structure for your own company
1: yeah and you know you've done a lot of, you know, just small things here and there. I remember even when we started up NSU you had like a little wee Aberdeenshire food project that, you know, it was like, Yeah, I'm just doing this for a wee bit uh, you know, just helping them set oh, up. Yeah, it was a that. <laughs> 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 but that was just a fun little thing you did for a wee bit. And uh, you moved on, did other cool stuff
2: yeah. there. I did, actually. I had literally forgotten about that, and it was just last year. That is shocking. Yeah, that was... um, I sort of took that on from somebody else. So there's something called the Great British Food Hub, which uh, is owned by a couple uh, in Ayrshire, I think off the top of my head. And effectively, what they did was make an online platform for, uh, best description would be an online local marketplace. So people go on and buy strawberries, or Beef or lettuce or a pie, that were all being grown and produced by local producers, and it was a fantastic way of supporting these local businesses, particularly during lockdown. And then around the country, people would pop up these these, their little local version of this. So I had the Aberdeenshire version, Uh, and you know people go online, they buy their things, and every week the local producers would drop them all off to one centralised point where we'd bag them all up and then drive out in a whole of vans and deliver them to people all across the area, and it. Yeah, it wasn't a great success. It made a little bit of money, but it wasn't worth the effort. Um, but as I say, I picked that up from someone else who ran it briefly, who I gather did it very successfully, Incredibly successfully, I think. But they already had access to vans and staff who were currently furloughed at the time, and they had huge big warehouses because I think they were their parents or farm were farmers or they had they had access to premises and vans and whatnot. Whereas I was borrowing premises from someone, I was hiring vans from local hire agencies, and I was paying friends to go off and drive them around. So um yeah it didn't make it didn't make huge amounts of money sadly but i then passed it on to someone else one of the front left suppliers that i took on when i decided to go back to university one of the suppliers um hudson catering they thought actually you know what this could this could go in quite nicely with our business they were one of my biggest sellers in the platform so they already had vans they already had staff and it made sense and they're still doing it it is still running so
0: it's always nice to see. So now it's at the point where there's so many little tiny interesting things, you can't even remember them. Pretty much. I mean, that's that's so fascinating to hear. Yeah,
2: And I just did that one as a sole trader. I didn't bother setting up a limited company for that because it, it didn't really need it. I did think if it ever took off, I might have set up one just to protect myself. But um, for that stage and at that scale, I thought it wasn't worth it.
1: Yeah. And also, you also, God, 2020 was a busy year for you. Wrapped up Quality Limited, which...
2: I did. Oh yeah, my <laughs> development form.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that one too. A wild <laughs> life. It was a
2: development firm. Yeah, yeah, I had my development firm. Good, it's a good job you've got my, my history in front of you in a couple of times.
0: Yeah, I can yeah, see I Anton's eyes reading through pages I of notes. No, you'd mentioned
1: having done so many small bits here and there and I was like, let's make sure I'm up to date on where you're at because even, you know, You've done a lot of stuff early on and even just recently. So what what's, what's the story of the development firm?
2: <laughs> so the development company, again, it's one of these ones that didn't really go anywhere, but I learned a huge lesson from. So uh, I was saying I worked uh, developing this new town of Chapleton. And because I had a really good relationship with the landowners, I knew that they were looking for a commercial premises on the town. They wanted to bring in not just people to live, but they also wanted to put in you know the shops and the restaurants and all the stuff that would give people employment to basically avoid having commuters driving in out of the city every day they wanted people living and breathing in this new town so it was a good old-fashioned town um and most of the main developers weren't particularly interested in doing that because they just build residential so i approached them and went i think i can maybe deliver you a commercial unit with some residential above would that be of any interest and sure enough it was and um I can't remember quite how I managed to find it but I had an old pharmacy contact from when I did commercial property at um, Scotia Homes which is the development company I worked in before and um, there was a pharmacist who was keen on building a pharmacy here so I approached him and said how do you feel about buying a whole building and he went off and spoke to his pension company uh, came back and said yeah yeah I can buy that with my pension so he and I started down this road of building him his pharmacy with a couple of flats above that he could rent out. Um, I spoke to various contacts that I knew from the industry who had slightly deeper pockets than I did and assembled enough money to be able to build the thing. Got a land deal pretty much struck, but without any wet ink on it. It was sitting with all the lawyers and ready to go. When the pharmacists sadly pulled out all of a sudden. So the NHS had suddenly changed their rules on new pharmacies. They they pulled, I think it was... A certain amount of money they would give to a new pharmacy for the first three years, and the rules for granting new licenses. So all of a sudden, it became instead of a sure thing, it became a quite a big risk for him, uh, and he pulled out. And by this point, I had spent about twenty thousand pounds getting a planning permission, mm. getting all the architect's drawings, getting everything ready to go. It was literally just a question of signing on the dotted line. Wait for the fact, actually, the planning permission was granted. uh Yeah, and this guy pulled out and i don't blame him for it but the lesson i learned there was make sure you get a contract up front that he's definitely going to buy this before you spend any money on architects etc etc uh and after that it kind of just all fell by the wayside i tried half-heartedly trying and find other occupiers or purchasers who may want to buy or rent the unit and tried to find ways of making it work but that coincided with the property market in aberdeen crashing around about 2016 2017 the prices just went down into the toilet and the numbers didn't stack up anymore so I did the sensible thing of winding the company up and just walked away from it. Learned the lesson and who knows, I might do development again in the future. Hmm. I might not.
1: If you're if you're ever to be able to uh, get into the position that you were, let's say, with a uh, cloudy teapot and you had like excess capital, you've obviously finished up your master's, what would be the like, next thing you would want to try if you were going to try another business?
2: That is a really <laughs> difficult question to answer because normally I come up with these businesses just mm. very randomly it'll either be through a conversation with someone or um it'll be something that just randomly pop into my head while i don't know i'm watching tv and go oh that's a good idea and then it'll lead me to think oh i could do this or i could do that someone i did actually have a friend who works um for a local council or i think he somehow is aware of them anyway who did email me actually just two weeks ago oh, i've got a business idea you know you're always looking for them uh and he wants to go and buy a sort of a five half a million pound machine which he thinks will pay massive dividends uh, doing a whole lot of council work. I'm not going to say what it is because, you know, I don't want someone nicking his idea. But uh, sometimes these things just randomly appear from people that I know. And sometimes there's things that will pop into my head. But they're very rarely planned massively in advance. The only thing I'd really thought about for a very, very long time was that uh, uh, my team is brick in the wall website, which I probably tried 10 years, maybe possibly more to make that happen um i still like development i like the idea of building good quality things and there's a site literally just down the road from me right now which i am looking at going that would be a really good starbucks and i have spoken to the (laughs) landowner and the landowner is very keen to sell it to me but i need to get access through someone else who's slightly more difficult but that might be my next venture trying to build a starbucks wow (laughs)
0: exciting we'll have to come visit
2: (laughs) (laughs) so there you go yeah it's it's all very very random it comes from anywhere and it's very rarely planned but
0: I just leap so in. is there maybe like a real creative element to that then? Because I think that's, that is how I would describe the kind of creativity I would get for photography or ideas for videos or things like that, is that you kind of see some inspiration of some kind. You go, oh, okay, maybe like that. And then you sort of do it. So so would you say there's a creative element to your businessing?
2: That's actually quite insightful. I've never thought about it that way before. But now that you've mentioned it, I would probably say yes. Because you do need to be uh, both creative and courageous and a perhaps slightly brave and politely stupid to go off and do all <laughs> these things. <laughs> there's a lot of people that wouldn't... They wouldn't have the imagination, I suppose, to come up with something. Most people will go through their lives without ever thinking that they could or would want to come up with a business idea. Mm. Uh, and then once you have that idea, trying to figure out how to turn that into a reality is both a skill and uh, a creative endeavour. I mean, it there's, there's all the technical business side, which... It's pretty easily learned uh, and there's lots and lots of websites out there that will help you through it. In fact, there's lots of agencies out there that will help you through it. I mean, uh, Scottish Enterprise and whatnot up here are very good at helping people start up their own little businesses and they will give you so many seminars and walkthroughs and guidance on, on how to get going. But you do need to have that idea in the first place and you need to be able to think through how would I make this happen? I mean, writing business plans is something that I've always... Frankly, sucked at writing business plans. Means I have to think in mm. detail about what it is I want to do, and I sometimes I get bored. I've had several ideas that I've never done anything with because I've started writing business plan and gone, I'm fed up even thinking in this detail about this project. <laughs> I don't want to do it, and it's just never happened. I can't even remember what any of them are already done. Yeah, so I, I end up being I've got to be relatively passionate about an idea before I will take it to any great depth. I mean, I tried to do uh, here's another one. I tried to do a box park. Do you guys know what box no. park is <laughs> these before? No. effectively i was wanting to create a retail park out of old shipping containers so there's plenty of them in england england is covered in them scotland and think until very recently had one or two uh, shipping container office parks but nobody done a shipping container retail park and if you just google it they're just they're amazing things you can just, just they're the creativity that people can have with them is fantastic and i Again, got a land deal sort of lined up. I was trying to put one here because in my day job at that point, I was working for the builder here in Chapelton, and I was trying to sell houses. So I thought, well, we need more businesses. Let's come up with a way of bringing people in. And so I thought, well, big businesses and bus- big business premises aren't working, but maybe little shipping containers that can act as incubators to support teeny tiny businesses with rents of sort of a hundred a week or even even less if we can make it sort of. I think my goal was try and keep them under two hundred fifty a month, mm. really, really small prices, just to help local businesses and attract people into the town. And from my own point of view, I lived in the town. I wanted awesome stuff on my doorstep, <laughs> uh, yeah. and yeah, I crunched all the numbers. I put everything in place. Had many meetings with Scottish Enterprise, and it was something that a lot of people were really excited about. But I couldn't make it make any money. Mm. I could make it wash its face, but without taking um, account of the management of it. So it looked after itself from all the power and rates and creating of the thing it needed a grant of about a hundred thousand pounds to make it work but i knew there was money for that grant out there um through the conversations i had with scottish enterprise but by the time i then paid myself or someone else or five or ten thousand pounds to look after the continual changing of leases etc it just didn't work but actually the cool thing is that box park is being built right now up the road by the oh. landowner. So they're doing it oh, for the same reason. They're building it to bring people into the town and to help new local businesses. But they're just doing it as... I mean, they've got deep pockets there in the state. They're one of these legacy estates and they're just running it completely to wash its face. Not looking to take anything out of it, but for the benefit of the town. And I'm super chuffed! We're getting amazing little businesses popping up here. There's a... I think there was a chocolatier looked at it not sure if they're carrying on but there's a deli there's a green grocer that's coming up we've got a very fancy men's hair salon weirdly it's in Aberdeen it's bringing out the little satellite thing out here wow I had no idea why but I think that's cool and I think at one point there was talk about a bespoke um, high-end pizzeria you know like wood-fired pizzas type thing coming out here and just a whole lot of really random little businesses all coming out, and I'm I'm super psyched that my idea has gained traction, even if it's yeah, not me doing it.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that sort of um m- manifesting and, and asking the universe, and and the universe gives you little <laughs> tiny delis. Yes,
2: I get the benefit without any of the heartache of actually having to build a thing.
1: <laughs> it's um, it's you know, it's the prequel to uh, how Mike's doing now uh, with his songwriting. It's uh, you you were just there, you came up with the idea, you were uh, incubating, and then all of a sudden it's went off and. Uh, It's doing its own thing, but it has been fabulous kind of getting to hear your story, Alistair. Um, If anybody wanted to reach out and contact yourself, how would people do that? Or are you just
2: happy... uh, that's a good question because as you know i don't do social medias (laughs) Uh, i mean i'm the person on our podcast i'm the grumpy old man in our nintendo podcast because i literally don't understand or use social media with the exception of facebook reluctantly very very reluctantly um but you know what actually if somebody wants to message me you can probably drop me an email on my uh comedy email address which i thoroughly enjoy because every time i phone up a utilities company and they ask me to confirm my email address they always giggle It is with no punctuation, no spots, no spaces. Just, I don't eat enough pies at Outlook.com. I I love it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Do you ever get like, oh, please help at i don't eat enough pies i've not been eating enough pies is it like a you know uh, agatha aunt <laughs> i need help eating pies I or have is it just n- i have
2: emails? not no i've literally had that email since I was about 16 it was the first email address i ever came up with because it is quite descriptive i'm a very tall very thin person i always have been so yeah it just it is stuck and i just enjoy the reaction that it gets from people so i've carried <laughs> it on
1: That was an incredibly fun recording, it's, um, it was. you know, I've, I've recorded hundreds of podcasts with Alistair in the past but it was fun to kind yeah. do it in the, the BizPod format, it was new.
0: <laughs> I think it's always really nice to do podcasts with people you know um, and so it was really lovely to sort of see your guys' relationship there, um, you really do seem to get on. Uh, it's quite funny him sort of calling himself kind of grumpy old man of the podcast um <laughs> because i feel like you know it's it's interesting that you guys do something so similar and so closely and and yet there's still these like different dynamics that play into that um and it was lovely to meet him
1: yeah it's um you know it's kind of fun to see the world's clashing uh, it was like fun uh, before doing the recording it's like all right louise alister Alster, louise business partner business podcasts. also you we do podcasts at naca
0: <laughs> i'm sorry that you're having a crossover episode it's okay you can check out our social media pages at linkedin facebook instagram and twitter at naca media llp fantastic it's been it's been
1: fun you know it's until next time bye for now Au revoir.